Hey gang, welcome to episode 124 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from NoPro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we have Eva Anderson and Michael Cassidy. They are the co-writers of Amos, A Play With Music. Uh, Eva's the one of the producers. Uh, Michael Cassidy is also the composer and the star of the show. Amos is making its uh, second stand here in Los Angeles at a workshop production back in May, and there's an all-new production of it happening right now, uh, a continuation and expansion of the work they've done before, and people are loving it. Um, I'm super excited to go catch it tonight myself, and uh, we already have a review up on the website from Anthony Robinson. Also on the show today is Steve Boyle of Epic Immersive, who is one of my co-producers, co-founders of the Immersive Design Summit. And Steve and I are going to talk to you and make some announcements about the IDS in just a moment. But first, we're going to do what we always do. We're just going to talk about money. Uh, we're going to talk about the Patreon. They're like, fast forward, fast forward. No, 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 no. This is good. This is good. You're going to like this. We hit 100 backers. We did it. You did it. We hit 100 backers. I am so stoked that that happened. A uh, hundred of you have gone on to patreon.com slash no proscenium and you've you know, punched in some dollar amount and ta-da, we continue to grow and get stronger. And next week, I'm sure I'll be like, okay, the new goal is this, but this week I just want us to, I just want us to enjoy this. All right. If you want to be one-on-one, that's awesome. I'm so excited you want to be one-on-one. But right now, we're just going to enjoy this, and we're going to thank the people who put us over the top. And now's the part where Noah butchers some names. Let's go. All right. Stephanie Pelletier. I probably did that one in. Uh, Jordan Slapeka, Brendan Lutz, and Kendra Slack. You four. You four are the ones who took us over into 100. And again, if I butchered your name, please message me. And I will say it properly next time. That's the prize. If I screw it up, I say it twice. Once, once right. So then really I don't, didn't say it twice. All right. There we go. That's the Patreon update. A hundred. We did it. We did it. We're like over $500 a month and a hundred of you. Oh my God. It's amazing. Um, sustaining backers make it all possible. Thank you, Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, and Lonnie Hanson for being the bedrock on which no proscenium rests. A hundred of you. A hundred of you. Oh, look at that. Amazing. We're, we're like a real boy and everything. All right. So, going to talk about the IDS in a second here, so I'll, I'll leave that for afterwards. Um, the website this week, lots going on. Uh, we had a quiet top of the week, mostly because we we're all incredibly busy, but lots going on. Uh, Zay is going to be skipping town uh, in a couple of months. He's written a farewell letter uh, to all of us. I just read it. It is beautiful. Um, and really, it's it's a great artifact about the, sort of the history of immersive in New York City. So it is, it is a good essay in and of itself, it's also Zay's farewell letter to No Pro in New York, which you'll read the whole thing. You'll see what's going on. You'll understand. 
Anthony has his review of Amos. Uh, Catherine and myself both have reviews up this week. Leah has an interview with uh, folks in London. It's uh, It's been a busy week. You should go to nopersinium.com and check out what we're writing because, you know, we do that constantly. Also, the Newswire is always working. Um, and if you want to keep super up to date, uh, the Twitter and the Facebook feeds and, of course, everything immersive and all the places you reach. All right, enough of that nonsense. Now... We're going to cut over to uh, our opening interview for the day, and that's with Steve Boyle of Epic Immersive, who is one of the co-founders of the Immersive Design Summit, which is taking place on January 6th in San Francisco. Registration is now open, so you go to immersivedesignsummit.com and apply. There are only 100 public tickets that are going to be made available, so this is a competitive process. We've got... We already have more than 100 people applying, so we've got some hard decisions to make, but I want you to go. Do not delay. Registration closes. I'm going to say this a couple times in the interview, but I'm saying it again now because I'm going to hit you over the head with a hammer with this one. Sunday the 12th at noon. So that's like 48 hours from now. You got 48 hours. Less than that because you're not listening to this probably at noon on Friday. There you go. Let's roll the tape. Steve, we talk a lot these days, but we don't usually record those <laughs> discussions. Um, Steve Boyle of Epic Immersive, uh, one of my partners on the Immersive Design Summit, which is coming up on January 6th in San Francisco. Uh, Steve, how did all of this come together in the first place? Why are we doing this crazy, crazy thing? You know, I think one of the coolest parts of this now massive and massively exciting event uh, is how humble the roots of it are. Um, this all begins uh, with a guy named Gabe Smedrisman. Gabe is a fixture of the San Francisco immersive community. He might be best known as the founder of First Person Travel, which creates the immersive weekend adventure, The Headlands Gamble. And uh, a couple of years ago, he founded a group called the Adventure Design Group. Uh, a meetup group, uh, a decent sort of uh, San Francisco analog for NoPro or early NoPro in the sense of being uh, a hub for the community and a place where the community got together to meet each other. For example, when I was first dipping my toes into the immersive scene, it was how I met everybody that I worked with and looked up to. And uh, this group, the Adventure Design Group, has been a speaker series and it's brought in some truly awesome guests. we recently had uh, Vince Kodlubek, the CEO of Meow Wolf, out here. Um, it's had fantastic people over the years, and it's it's been growing. So very early on in this year, uh, Gabe came to me, and he said it was time for the Adventure Design Group to start figuring out what its next chapter would be and how to grow from here, um, and asked me if I would uh, take it over at the end of the year. And we started talking about hopes and dreams for the future. And, uh, you know, some of mine, some of the ones we shared were how to elevate the local community and how to uh, better connect uh, the different immersive communities, you know, in San Francisco to Los Angeles, to New York, to the very top of the industry, to London, to folks making work all across the country and all across the world. Uh, And uh, then Gabe started telling me about the speakers that were lined up for this year and how we'd have Punch Drunk coming out to give a talk and how we'd have Third Rail coming out to give a talk. And I said, well, what would happen if they came out on the same day? And that was the kernel that led to the summit. And the moment we started 
thinking about that idea and mentioning that idea, it started to take off. Our very first call, as you can imagine, was to NOAA um, and was to say, hey, how can we get no proscenium involved in this? And from there, we started talking, started specking out uh, where this could be, what we could do. We started scheming. We schemed. We <laughs> uh, looked around at a million different venues and finally said, hey, do we all agree that the speakeasy, the, uh, the hit immersive show in San Francisco, with the incredible underground uh, 1920s speakeasy with cabaret and bar and casino, wouldn't that be really the perfect place for this? And we reached out to them and they said, yeah, take it. Bring it here. We'll give it to you. Uh, let's make an incredible event. And so it took a while to get everybody firmed up. And the moment we did, the moment we had uh, Colin Nightingale, creative producer for Punch Drunk International and one of the major creative and producing forces behind Sleep No More in both New York and Shanghai, the moment we had uh, Tom Pearson, one of the, the founders and co-artistic directors of Third Rail Projects and not only a co-creator of, of Then She Fell, but also um, an actor in Then She Fell. The moment we had uh, suddenly these major industry icons on board, it was easy enough to go to other people and say, hey, do you want in on this? And suddenly people like uh, you know Brent Bushnell of Two-Bit Circus, uh, who's building these micro amusement parks starting in downtown Los Angeles in a matter of months, and Yelena Rachitsky uh, working in, in VR and, and storytelling at Oculus, uh, wanted to jump on board. And so suddenly this started to grow. And then we announced it. And the response from everybody has been uh, overwhelming and amazing. And even out of that, more people came to us and said, hey, how can we get involved? So Yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to watch folks sort of like come out of the woodwork. And there were, there were even people uh, who we were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we got this person? And then once we announced, uh, they turned up. And one of those people uh, we get to announce right now on the show. We haven't put out the word on the newsletter. We haven't put on everything immersive or anything. So uh, if you're listening to this, um, I mean, I suppose depending on when you're, it's not, this isn't a radio show. So it's not like the odds are you may have seen it online already, but, but the first time we'll give it like, we'll give it like at least a half an hour. So at least a half an hour of time where you will not have heard uh, the, this bit of information. So who is the next main stage speaker that we have to give to everyone? Yeah, I can announce right now that uh, Meow Wolf CEO Vince Kodlubek is going to be joining us and speaking and participating in the summit. Uh, Vince is, of course, the guy who founded Meow Wolf as an arts collective and uh, then built it up into the amazing installation experience uh, that has captivated so many imaginations of, of artists around the country based out of Santa Fe um, and, uh, you know, and is, is growing that org uh, even beyond that. So, so, to re so to reiterate, that means on the main stage announced so far, we have Punch Drunk, Third Rail, Oculus, 2-Bit Circus, and now Meow Wolf. And odds are we're not done yet. We're done for this month, but we're not done yet. Um, if everything is goes according to plan. Um, and that's not even all the people who are talking. We've got John Braver of Delusion, Justin Fix of Creep. We've got Melinda Lau of The Whisper Lodge, Lauren Ludwig of Capital W, Matt Bamberg-Johnson of the Speakeasy Society from Los Angeles. We've got the guys from The Nest, Jeff and Jarrett. We've got even more people who I am blanking on at the moment because we just got so 
many folks who are in this mix and it's going to be a lot more, it's not just going to be people sitting down and just being talking at folks all day. This is a real chance for the community on a national and given, given who's sending in applications an international scale to get together folks, not just from the theater world, but from the virtual reality world, filmmakers, just the, the number of people who are interested in coming to this and, and where they're coming from has been really amazing to watch. And we're going to have some hard decisions to make because we're only giving out a uh, hundred tickets. We're only selling a hundred tickets. The The space is not so large that we can cram in everyone who wants to come. But we also wanted to make sure that the thing we built the first time, people could really talk with each other. This would be a real summit and not just, oh, come get you know spoken to f- at for like eight hours and get marketed to. This is going to be a chance for people to really connect. That That's so important to us as part of this. To tease a little, some of the applicants, uh, many of the applicants, in fact, are as exciting as a lot of our speakers. Um, oh, yeah. It would be a pretty incredible room. And that's important because, as Noah mentioned, uh, it's not a place, uh, it's not a conference, and it's not a, a place to sit and clap and move on to the next room and uh, live tweet. It's a place to come together as a community. This is, a, I mean, you can tell from the response that the immersive world has been yearning for something like this, for all of our worlds to collide. Uh, and for this one day in January, we have our own clubhouse, our own speakeasy even, uh, where we get together and uh, and take the pulse of the industry and grow it out together from there. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting and, and major moment, I think, for our industry. Yeah. I mean, there's, this is something that we've been doing in small scale in Los Angeles and we've been doing it, you know, you guys have been doing it up there in San Francisco with ADG. And I know similar things happen in New York with the folks at Story Code and Story Forward. Um, but this, this is, this is the first time we've really managed to, other than say FOST, it's the first time we've managed to like bring folks together. And I think we're even more tighter focused on, on the immersive and experiential stuff. Um, and that's just, I'm just, I'm so happy with how it's gone so far. Like I wish everyone who wanted to come would be able to come like that'd be one day, one day, one day we'll get there, but we're, we're bootstrapping this thing. So um, the tickets are $275, um, which is, you know, that's, that's not cheap. We know that, but there's, there's a reason for that. Um, and Steve, could you tell everyone what the reason for that is? <laughs> I'm going to play good cop. You got to play bad cop for a second. Usually I'm playing bad cop. So I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, you know, it's cause that's, it's cause that's the, the cost, you know, we're essentially doing this, um, at, at cost for what it costs. Um, it's a really small, house because we didn't think it would grow this big um so if you think of the costs it's uh what it took to get uh kind of our initial speakers out here and and accommodated uh and um and and food for people um and then just all the other food is amazingly a big cost yeah (laughs) like Uh, that's the one where we're like we're gonna do it for the oh we gotta feed everybody never mind uh and the other (laughs) pieces of the puzzle that it takes to put on an event like this together, um, as well as um, some scholarships. So we're doing as many as we can. Um, and we tried to make some room to be able to do that because we know we're inviting 
uh, you know, we know we got got really deserving applicants, people both at the, you know, the peak of the career um, and also people whose art is incredible, but are starving artists and also people who are uh, really exciting and going places, but early career. And we want to bring together a, a diverse gathering of people. Um, and so we're using a scholarship program to try and make it as accessible uh, as we can. And that's been that's been part of the plan right from the start, and we're we're very thankful for those who are helping us do that. Um, when this airs, uh, it'll be Thursday. Uh, no, it'll be Friday, November tenth, when it first goes out. The deadline is the twelfth. That is Sunday at noon Pacific time. We have a mountain of applications already. But if you are thinking about it, if you've been wondering if you should, you should. Uh, you absolutely should send your application in. Um, do not let the price stop you from doing that. Um, we want to get everyone who is remotely interested sending in so we can we can consider because you you never know you know, who's going to be sending something in where we just go, Oh my God, we've, we've got that person belongs in the room beyond all doubt. And for the people who we don't get in the room, that doesn't mean that you don't belong in the room. It just means that there's this crazy plethora of, you know, what, what did my old acting teachers tell me? It's selection, not rejection. I mean, it's, I'm not looking forward to writing certain emails at all. Uh, I've been, referring to this as the wedding as of about a week and a half ago because we're it feels like we're planning a very elaborate wedding right now it's been it's been quite a, a journey I'll, I'll reveal to everybody that when, you know when we first started talking about this uh, the conversation was about running a, a Kickstarter and could we get enough people interested in this um, and it's it's gotten to the point where we had no choice but to have an application because demand was so swamped and we wanted to make sure we had uh, an exciting mix of, of people who would uh, really make it a summit um, and grow yeah. the community from here. Um, so the the please apply, right? If you have any interest whatsoever, uh, there's nothing to be lost from starting a conversation um, and telling us what you care about. The application uh, is super simple. You can fill it out on your phone in five minutes. It's it's who are you? What have you done? What do you care about doing next? Uh, and show us some links to prove you're real. Can be reviews, can be photos, can be a montage you made, uh, can be your poster. It doesn't matter. Um, just show us, uh, show us a little bit of who you are, because that's what we care about is 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 learning who you are and and a piece of of uh, why you're exciting and making a dent in the universe. Um, and so yeah, and and we're gonna try and we're gonna try and get in you know, everyone we can and, uh, and, and the most exciting people we can. So again, if, if cost is an issue, you know, mark the question about, uh, about needing a scholarship. Um, if cost is not an issue and you want to be a part of making sure the most exciting and diverse, uh, and deserving artists can be in that room, uh, shoot us an email and talk to us about whether you'd be interested in sponsoring somebody. Uh, because, yeah. you know, we want to make sure that this is a, this is an industry that builds a ladder and helps each other out um, and that we have the most diverse gathering of people. So, um, so yeah, uh, you know, however you want to be a part of that, whether that's by intending, whether that's by helping somebody else attend, uh, it's exciting. 
And I want to I want to second something Noah said, which is uh, you know in many ways that we're we're crushed by um, by the intimacy of the event. I mean, it's both an incredible strength to be able to have it be intimate enough that this will be a shared conversation, um, and and also we're almost definitely going to cry as we write rejection letters, both to people we know and people we don't, because there's a huge amount of deserving folks and passionate folks and folks making their way in this industry and folks following this industry. And, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about what we can do next, uh, to, uh, to, to better develop and, and, uh, and connect with and connect together that entire community. So know that even if you don't get in, we're thinking about you a lot and, uh, and how we're going to make this, uh, this work for you in the next chapter. Oh yeah. And, and believe you me that the people who are applying this time, like, you know, we've, we've got your information now. Like we, we know who you are and we are, we are not going to leave you alone. Now to do that, what you want to do is you want to go to immersivedesignsummit.com. Just type all those words out there. The links will also be in the show notes and everything like that. Again, the deadline is on the 12th, that's Sunday at noon Pacific time. It does take just about five minutes. If you have the links to your work or articles about your work handy, it takes almost no time at all to get that application together. You can take more time if you want to think about it. That's fine. But it doesn't take too long to send us what you need. Uh, it was amazing. We put it up. And I think within 10 minutes, we got some pretty detailed really good stuff. Pretty- Pretty, pretty good stuff, like well written, like right. It was like, wow, it's been ten minutes. We've got these amazing already, and we just know there's there's even more people out there. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun, Steve. I'm looking forward to seeing you in January. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. This is an exciting moment, and thanks for being uh, thanks for being my partner, Noah. Uh, and uh, to Gabe, if you're wondering why Gabe was on the show, uh, Gabe is off uh, on a meditation retreat right now. So uh, otherwise, he'd be here with us. Uh, but he's he's left us to tend the ship, and uh, apparently uh, he trusts us enough not to burn the whole thing down. So we um, fathom the wisdom he's going to bring back from his meditation retreat. So get ready for the summit to kick it up another notch when he comes back. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm worried about that. All right. Okay. We've been at this for a while. Steve, again, thank you so much, and I'll see you soon. Cool. Thank you. There. What more do you need to know? Immersivedesignsummit.com, Sunday at noon Pacific time. That is when you need to have your application in by. I'm not looking forward to the process of deciding. I'm not. It is, it is, it is against my programming to do such things. So, uh, you know. So if you don't like me, definitely put, put a couple applications in. Uh, make me suffer some more. That'll be great. All right, there you go. Um, hey, that, that, was, that, was, that was a lot. That was a lot. I know that's a lot to take in. So, you know, like go on a walk, pause it, get ready to come back uh, because we've got a great main interview for you today. And it's with Eva Anderson and Michael Cassidy, the, the multi-talented Michael Cassidy and the absolutely brilliant Eva Anderson, who are the writers of Amos, A Play With Music. Um, I really enjoyed the workshop production that I saw back in May. I'm looking forward to seeing this more fully realized production directed by Eric Hoff, also director of the workshop, uh, where it's at the Monk Space here in Los Angeles. And these are just these are just some sharp, sharp people. So... Um, get yourself in a groove, 
maybe you know grab a beer. We were drinking beer while we were doing this one, so it's not a bad idea. Shift gears and um, let's let's have some fun. Let's have some fun with the uh, the writers of Amos A Play with Music. Eva and Michael, thank you for joining me here at the dining room table. Um, you guys just reopened Amos like a couple of nights ago. Yes, we did. We did. <clears throat> so you guys both you co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know what the show is, what's the what's the elevator pitch here? It's a it's a um, immersive EDM musical. Yeah, uh, Where... that takes place in modern day Ukraine. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Staged here in Los Angeles, so you don't have to fly to Ukraine to. No. No, no, we don't have that opportunity available for you yet. <laughs> Amos, the tour is coming as well. <laughs> I hear there's a three thousand dollars show in town, so maybe that's our version of it. Yeah, where you. Oh, it's five thousand dollars. <laughs> the show begins when you go to LAX, and we escort you to Ukraine, where you go to a, a one hour and ten minute play, and then we fly you back. Yeah. Hope not yet. Hopefully, no. fly you back. Yeah. I would absolutely do that. <laughs> you would do that. <laughs> you see a lot. This was exciting when you when I knew that you were making a show because I had seen you do. Um, I, well, not you. I'd, you had written for Chalk Reps uh, fundraiser this year. Yeah, and, yeah. And done a pop up. It was what, yours. Was wasn't yours like the one like outside? Yeah, it was like, the one with the yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were like they were like reporters spying on a on a politician. Yeah, and everyone got to those little um, Oriental Trading Company. Um, uh, what are they called? Kaleidoscopes to look through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I've known chalk the chalk ladies for a long time. That they're really cool. Oh yeah, no chalk's fantastic. Yeah, they're awesome, and they really pioneered a lot of this mm. stuff in LA. Yeah, you know, for cool for site specific, and that's the thing. Like, I got to see the workshop edition of this show back at Bootleg. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that was that May? That was at the exact same time as the other show you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was same the weekend. same week, I think. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was in May. one weekend in May. Yeah. <clears throat> And and that was that one that one really impressed me. And this this is for those who haven't got a chance to see it yet. Like it's it's a very much a site responsive piece. It's it's what we sometimes call environmentally staged. The action's kind of happening around you, through you, and you. It's not it's not the interactive side of immersive, but it definitely surrounds you in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one that one in particular, you guys really played with the space that they had there, which was what, with the green room at Bootleg or yeah. something like that. Yeah, the yeah. factory space there. Yeah, <clears throat> former shoe warehouse. Mm-hmm. Really? That's oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, it was a bra factory. Yeah, it's such an amazing building. It's, it's a beautiful building. Yeah, Bootleg is Bootleg is a totally fascinating spot. Um, that's a place. That's where I mean, Eva and I met long, long time ago. Back actually, that when that was the evidence room theater. Yeah. Um. It's a actually today's the ten year anniversary of us becoming Facebook friends. Is it really? Yeah. You, I haven't I haven't seen my my notices, but yeah. I bet we get a sweet slideshow. Right. Like right after I graduated. Like of like two thousand four five ish. Uh huh. There was a play at the evidence room uh, called Killers. Yeah, that was two thousand five. I bet. That Nick Offerman and Mike what they were in, and mm. I would come and I would I saw it like five <clears throat> times. It was like this crazy noir. It was totally weird. And Mike played like the speed freak with a baseball bat in mm-hmm. tiny whiteies. And I hit I hit Offerman in the head with this bat with this bat. <laughs> <laughs> and the night his parents came to see the show, I missed his head. I like whiffed it. I remember we had this huge stunt where we replaced, uh, you see me like 
beating the shit out of stuff with this actual bat mm. earlier in the show. And then I come on later with like a a foam bat on a dowel that looks exactly the same and I beat the shit out of him. And But I blew it the night that his parents came. Anyway, yeah, Eva and I met. Uh, At least you didn't take the real bat. Then. Like, yeah, that there, would have there, been there, a worse mistake. There, there's, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> two, even worse. there's two levels of mistakes here. <laughs> you did the right one. That's the wrong one. I appreciate that. That's how I should tell this story from now on. <laughs> I beat Nick Offerman to death in front of his parents. I just saw him last week. Did you? Did you? <laughs> you don't understand how Hollywood works. The Defense Department has cloned us all. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, well, 10 years. Thanks for... No, thanks for helping us celebrate our ten-year anniversary. Our, fr- oh, our friend anniversary, friend. yeah, being yeah, the, the, fa- the Facebook friend anniversary. Yeah. yeah, isn't isn't like this year everyone's Facebook friend yeah, it's like anniversary? This, when I started Facebook, basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You've been friends for ten years. Yeah, yeah, Facebook. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The uh, and then yeah, we we performed and wrote together a lot. Then UCB opened the year after that. Yeah, and then we, we both the kind same. of. Dove in oh, there. UCB was like 2006. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't even realize the like, Franklin Theater opened. I think it was wow. 2006. Yeah. Wow, it feels like, I mean, because I, I was up in the Bay Area, um, and I remember watching, because sometimes the the core. I mean, uh, it was it, Amy Poehler didn't come through, but like the rest of the guys would yeah. come through and perform at Sketchfest. Do like, oh yeah, yeah just, they do an ASCAD or something. They used to do yeah. something like that at iOS before they opened the theater. That yeah. I yeah, so I would see I would see that, and yeah. I was like, because I'd watched the show on Comedy Central, and I was like, oh boy, you know. Yeah, Sketchfest is great too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Janet Barney is awesome. Yeah, um, so I didn't I didn't realize that that um, that UCB is like just that young relative. It feels like it's, it's pretty crazy. Eternal. Yeah, in LA especially. Yeah. Um, but the two of us ended up in the same writing class, taught by Matt Besser, mm-hmm. and then we put together like, oh, you're also that guy from that play at the Evidence Room. Um, yeah, then, we were like the theater people infiltrating the, the comedy <laughs> like, community. It's yeah. what it felt like. And then we were in this group for seven years. We had a monthly show for seven years. Um, that We we just retired pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Which led immediately to Amos. The time that Eva and I were pour, putting into our sketch team, we just started meeting about this instead. Yeah, we were like, we, we already have blocked off Sunday nights. Yeah. And since we don't have a monthly show to write anymore, what if we just kept... The two of us just figured out something else to, that we mm-hmm. could make, and we had already been wanting to do some kind of new version of a musical. Yeah. Basically, was the yeah. the I feel like that was the first germ for me when we would kind of talk, <clears throat> yeah, loosely about man, it'd be great if we could just get together and make a musical that we would want to go and see. Exactly, because <laughs> I saw I saw Kinky Boots and I got so right. angry. Yeah, because it's like who likes that? And I was like, who is yeah. this for? <laughs> And, and I was, was like, this is just a show for ants. Yeah. Like, this is just for ants to see. Yeah. Like, it's, it's completely cynical. Like uncles and ants, not the insect. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's for ants. Um, anyway, I, I, I was just like, I fucking hate musical theater. has gotten so cynical and just like, here's a, the song you need now. I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing surprising yeah. in, in like big musicals. So... Um, it's very, it's super formulaic. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I think people reacted so well to Hamilton is because like it's like, oh, let's break the formula, mm-hmm. you know, sure. in a in a deliberate way. Yeah, and and there's it, that's not to say that there's not great musical like 
Oh, there's stuff happening. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I was being very very broad. Of course, I yeah. love a lot of stuff. No, that's not what you meant at all. But I but when we were talking, oh, about it's what it, I meant. Like, <laughs> I, I was a drama kid, so it's like that's the, where the it eternal was. war. It was kind of like yeah. I, I don't know. I, musicals used to be kind of the big thing mm-hmm. for me, and it had gotten to when she when Eva said that to me, I realized like oh, it's been a decade since I went and saw a musical and. It's because I don't want to go anymore. Yeah. How can we, like, do a weird thing that we would want to see? Well, and, like, you call it a play with music, and yet... So, it wants to be a little surprising. I mean, like, part of the the fun about this show is there there are... Secrets and surprises that are built into mm-hmm. to the point where like you know there's things we won't talk about today because um, I don't want to spoil that for folks. Um, which of course then they go oh there's stuff to look out for. So there's always stuff to look out for. I mean and that's actually one of the things that I'm really enjoying about a lot of the work I'm seeing. You know that particularly anywhere where the immersive world and the traditional theater world are overlapping, it often feels like it's just a highly experimental space. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I caught uh, I caught Caught this week, and mm-hmm. that felt very much in that highly experimental space. And yeah. also the kind of show where, like, if I start explaining the structure to, uh, to anyone, it just robs you of the experience. Okay. But I was surprised that, like, you're... Michael, you're making that music... Like on stage, like using like, is it Ableton Live you've got up, yeah. up on the deck and you're just going for it? Yeah, well, and it's a combination of I am doing, I'm live DJing, but we also have an, a stage manager who, in a macro sense, is DJing the whole show with lights and videography. We have projections and sound, obviously, and there's a lot of design elements that kind of reach this. Zenith point. Everyone has done such a great job design-wise. It's a thrill, a thrill to work with these people. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, um, but so there's there's a stage manager who's kind of the actual DJ of the show. <laughs> but yeah, when we're doing songs, there's a handful of songs where we're kind of using sample technology, yeah, like and doing live tracking. When yeah. you're playing keyboard live, and yeah, live performance kind of fuses with electronic you know samples and and looping and uh which is great i haven't really this is my first real experimentation with that i i um i've done a little bit of kind of looping with uh my band with paul rust don't stubble will die but that has been on one or two songs and and doing it live we haven't done very much of and it was as we were kind of accumulating ideas for what this was going to be, that was a thing that was like, oh, it would be fun to do something. I think that might have been an element of what led us to the EDM yeah. ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it would be fun to do some kind of thing where people can see musical ingredients kind of being thrown, like mixed up in a bowl together yeah. on stage and see it live. And then it's like, oh, EDM musicians do that. Like, and like they kind of use this Reggie Watts style approach to building a track from nothing. And then uh, I think once we kind of had that EDM idea, then uh, the kind of political and Ukraine elements of it, I think, like Eva had already been thinking about a lot of like elements of this like political and like geo environment. So where there is a huge EDM culture already. So it kind of like all these ideas kind of splashed together. Yeah, I'd been to Estonia uh, a few years ago by myself uh, for Christmas and I met a, a, a shoemaker who was like <laughs> super interesting guy and I hung out with him for a couple days and he was like 
basically the character from the show. I mean, he was like this very paranoid, but very smart um, dude, artist. He made these like these weird artisanal shoes, and he uh, <laughs> and he basically like made me realize that I was completely uh, uh, naive about most of the world and what it's like to grow up in like uh, the Soviet Union and under occupation and um, and so yeah, and he was like. Really, I'm still friends with him. We still write sometimes. When's your Facebook anniversary? <laughs> it's pretty soon. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'll be like, it's our Facebook anniversary. Um, like he said this thing to me. Uh, we were at, he, we spent a lot of the day, one day when I was hanging out with him, uh, meeting people around town so he could get a part for a gun. <laughs> He's trying to restore an old gun. And he was like, oh, he'll restore. I was like, yeah, what? No, no, he wasn't going to shoot. It was like an antique gun. Okay. And he was like, do you like guns? And I said, no. Uh, because in America, if you like guns, you'd like think the government's out to get you and you're kind of crazy. And he's like, oh, how fun for you that that's a crazy thought. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. shit. And that's, you know, that sort of put, sent me down this track. So anyway, uh, Michael, when we were started... So when we first came up, we were like, we're going to do a show together. It was... Uh, uh, part of my approach was that I wanted to build the show to things that I knew Michael could do that mm. other people can't do, which is, you know, he's like this really great live musician and singer, but also, um, he, uh, he can, he used to do, he did a play years ago, uh, called Catalpa where he played characters against himself. Mm. Like he played several characters at once. And that was like a skill set that also, I was like, Oh, so we could, mix these together and um and so yeah and then learning about EDM um in Eastern Europe because uh, I think also you came to me you're like this is sort of the music I'm writing right now and it was this kind of beautiful like electronic music yeah so I was like okay so I started looking into and I, I found this rave uh in Crimea and Eastern Ukraine which was a month-long rave it was called Kazantip and it was happening every year and it had been going for 20 years and I started reading about it and watching videos of it. And I was like, oh, the show will end up here. Like, that's where the characters will end up. Um, Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, while we were writing it, um, the Crimea was invaded by Russia and the ray was shut down. So that it's like the... Party's over. The party's been uh, changed by the... Well, in the time that we've been working on the show, which has been really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and that's... Uh, one of the things that is interesting, like you mentioned, like, you know, the Estonian being like, oh, isn't that a crazy thought for you? It's like the, the world has changed so much in just mm-hmm. a year. We're coming up on a certain anniversary, uh, speaking okay. of Facebook anniversaries. <laughs> um, and Anniversary of me wearing my nasty woman uh, tank top, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. hungover, uh, walking home. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so, so much of it, and sometimes it feels like, you know, the world's been unmasked. Mm-hmm. Right, you yes. know, like to, um, today we're recording this. The sequel to the Panama Papers came out. It's called the Paradise Papers, I think. Oh, and there's like all this stuff about like the lead article was like you know, Wilbur Ross, who's the Commerce Secretary, or something like that, has like financial ties to like Putin's son-in-law. Oh yeah, yeah. and everyone's just like, oh, here we go. And, and he washed Manafort's money. Yeah, and so like all this stuff, you know, is is just it's it's on, it's going. Right? Yeah. yeah, and and we. Turns out we do live in the same world as that Estonian shoemaker. <laughs> yeah, um, and we live in we sort of live in the same world that you know Amos and the uh, and the the DJ uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Ivan. Ivan. Yeah. Ivan. Particularly, we we live in Ivan's world mm-hmm. like more and more every day. 
Um, what what prompted you guys to take this and and play with it in an immersive fashion? Was it that you guys had contacted Eric Hoff, or that? Yeah. Or, or or did you contact Eric once, who's the director, or did you contact Eric once he knew you wanted to go that way? It, it was Eric brought it that direction, I think. It, for sure. I think, and, you know, I think Eva had known Eric before. I met him uh, working on this, which has been a thrill. He's a very talented guy, and it would be a waste of him to not do an immersive thing. Yeah. Like, if, once he came in and started talking to us about it, it was, seemed obvious that he would be able to make it work. Um, um, yeah, Eric's, uh, I met Eric in Chicago when I was on a trip there, um, but he was pretty known for doing this production of Hit the Wall at the Barrow <clears throat> Street Theater mm. and, um, and at Steppenwolf, and it was a show mm. about uh, uh, Stonewall, and it was here last year, two years ago, but he originated, the, he did the first production, and it, and it was pretty awesome. Um, and then he also had this show in Chicago called Revival, which was like a dance party that had these immersive elements that, yeah. yeah and so he told me about that. And, and when I met him in Chicago, he was moving to LA and he was like, well, yeah, we should, we should hang out. And then we actually did. Like it, we actually, when he moved to LA, like we would go to see like Delusion together and see a bunch of shows together. And so when it came time, when Mike and I like kind of hit the point where we're like, we need to do a reading so we know what this is. Um, I was like, I know this guy that moved to LA and is like a really amazing professional theater director who's not doing any theater right now because he just got here. And so we got Eric, you know, mm -hmm. as our guy and he's been, and then he was the one who's like, this is a club show, but this is an immersive show. He's like, I can make this an immersive show. Around what, around what time was that? So this was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, we did a reading at bootleg, just a staged reading with some music, not all of it. Mm -hmm. So we're talking um, like uh, May 2016. 2016, that's yeah. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he probably, we started probably working on that in April. Yeah. So it's with like, him. Yeah. And he, and I had seen uh, that the previous October, um, I had seen Eric do a pop-up Thing at Illyrian, the Illyrian Players Show, yeah. a party called Kiss of Death, which mm -hmm. was it turned out to be what would become a society, which he's doing now. Oh, okay, um, yeah. so he was he, he yeah he was there was a cult at the party and the cult was giving people uh, questionnaires and it was so great and it was like so well designed and it was really funny and it, and it was Eric, I mean Eric had written it and it was his thing and yeah. I was like okay so he he knows uh, that was the one thing of his I gotten to do firsthand. But I mean, um, when you see this new production, um, Eric had this larger vision from the, the, he wanted more rooms and a pre-show that's, that is like very immersive. And that's what you get in the new production. There's three rooms that you spend the first hour in mm. and including like a, a bar. Yeah. Cool. With a, with a Russian bartender. <laughs> yeah. And all mm. Ukrainian booze. Yeah. Um, and then there's two Was that rooms. where the beer you brought came from? Yeah. From yeah. the stash? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was thankful. I was like, this is, I was like, well, they didn't like import special ads. No. Well, we, well for the uh, show, yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I found this. You just get a taste. There's a place in Burbank by the airport that's a, um, a Russian Costco. And there's a guy there who like ordered me 20 cases of Obelon. Russian Costco? It's awesome. It's like legitimately. Yes, they have like a huge wall of like smoked fish. They have like pierogies in like frozen and big bins. I love it so much. I've gone there like five times. Oh, wow. But I bought pierogies. all the booze from them for the, that served in the bar. And it's authentic. It's pretty great. Oh, wow. I, you'll have to... 
you'll have to give me the the, the data on that. I, I've got some friends here who I think might really enjoy that. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when Eric came in, so Eric was like, stage one is this reading, stage two is what we did at the bootleg in May. And he's like, but like there's, he had a bigger vision for, uh, for that the, the, the audience gets to kind of mess around and dig through the artifacts of these, of this, this person's life yeah. for the first hour. And, um, we have this really great designer, Michelle Jew, who built these rooms that are really fun. Yeah. So come, <clears throat> anyone who's coming, come at closer to eight. Don't come at nine cause you'll miss the whole first, the, mm. the yeah. first hour. So, so it's it's not quite an escape room, but you can kind of dig around and like explore the space well in the pre-show. I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. But you can touch things and open them. And a lot of it is like actual Soviet antiques that I bought in Russia and Ukraine. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's real authentic stuff. And if you treat the bartender right, some of them might be for sale. Yeah, stuff on the, <laughs> there's some stuff on the bar you can buy, but you just have to ask her <laughs> if you can have it. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a whole... Well, how do you... Well, here's, the, here's a real question. How do you communicate, aside from coming on the show and communicating it, how do you communicate this layer of the, of the reality you're building to the audience? Um, we tell... We have a little spiel when people come in. We mm-hmm. tell them they can touch anything and that there's clues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully, um, it's word a of word of mouth thing that people hear. Like, it, it's the most fun thing is like, oh, you only know that you can talk to the bartender and buy stuff if your friend told you who yeah. already came. Like, that's the fun version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, hey, and now you're listeners. But exactly. So maybe I, well, maybe I let the cat there's, out. The, but there's, <laughs> but there's a, there's like a balance here because, like, I mean, what's nice about this show uh, already is that you did a stand, you've remounted. And the show is something that can be brought back, mm-hmm. right? And like one of the things, one of the things I feel like the scene as a whole is is desperate for. And and Eva, you can you address this because you go to a lot of work. <laughs> I do. Is that uh, oh, man. sometimes even like, more than I do? <laughs> it's right? ruining my life. <laughs> right? But I like, have to go to the desert on Sunday <laughs> to fucking run around and oh, yeah. with fucking the Jake guys. Yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. I have work on Monday. Yeah. We should talk about that. Um, <laughs> we should talk about that. Uh, cause uh, I'm not, I'm just for just, it worked out that I'm not going. Uh, so like, I have no idea how the cycle's going to end this time. So we should definitely talk. Oh, I'll tell that. you what happens. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely tell me. Um, <laughs> we, should, we should talk in detail on that. Um, the, sorry. Shows. No, no, no. This is how you've listened to the show. You know how it works. Um, we're, we're, we're in the thick of it now. We're in the great game. In the great game. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> things don't remount. Things don't come back. The shows are ephemeral. They're gone. And it's a tragedy because when something's good, and I think Amos is good, you go like, well, that was that. No yeah. one's ever going to get a chance to see it again. And the capacity on shows. What's the capacity on this edition of the show? Because I feel like last time it was about like 50 to 75 people. Yeah, it's a lot smaller room. It's a much yeah. smaller yeah. performance room. I think 50, but we, we've been, we had a really nice night last night with about 35. Uh-huh. Yeah. It felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, at 50, I think it might start getting, it might start slowing the show down a little bit. But yeah. we'll, we'll do it. We'll do 50. Yeah. yeah. Just, which yeah. is a which is a great turnover for I mean because half the shows in town will do fifty in a weekend exactly full stop I know everything like sells out so fast because it's one person at a time so we we can yeah. you know you can take your friends to our show and you can hang out at the bar and have an actual like yeah, show it can be an evening yeah. yeah I wanted all the things that I like I wanted to be a show I want to hang out at <laughs> yeah right and the show itself the runtime is less than an hour and a quarter you're you're out of there and and back. 
into your life by 1020. So yeah. it's, uh, that's that's a that's a nice thing that we're able to start a little later at the when we ran at the bootleg in May. The showtime was at seven p.m. <clears throat> because of the music. Because uh, oh, yeah. we were arranging around their music calendar. Yeah, yeah. And they were so great. I mean, the the fact that they love the bootleg. We yeah. love the bootleg. I did Jessica have, Hannah, our producer, is a goddess. Yeah. yeah, I did have the experience of like just messing up the time, and I think we walked in like right before it started because mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, we're we're half an hour early, and like, it's like, oh, they're starting, and I was like, what? Yeah. Like, huh. But that was kind of awesome because we walked in and like because we entered right around when the show was supposed to start. Like I swear to God, people thought we were part of the show. And it was just like, oh, <laughs> this feels. And you were. Yeah. And we were watching. I did walk in with like an actor, so um, that's like, funny. But but it was interesting because like I looked around the room and there was like nobody I recognized. Mm-hmm. And somebody brought a little dog that time. Oh yeah, that was my ninja. Friend. I bet. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it was no, it was it the little ninja, dog, Ernie no. with his tongue out. You see the dog that always has <laughs> his tongue out. Yeah. That's yeah. my friend Marty's dog. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't see. I didn't see. Brandon wasn't there that night, so I didn't see. I didn't see Ninja, or maybe he was there. We had a seven-week-old baby at our show a couple nights ago. What? Oh, Freddie, oh. our sound mixer's girlfriend, yeah, got their baby, and she he just wore headphones slept, and slept through the whole slept show. Slept during our quite loud EDM show. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you know, sound mixer baby. So you know, like, <laughs> yeah, probably, right. Probably already has all the damage. He so. he's. I, I trust him to know the science that his uh, child's ears aren't being irreparably damaged <laughs> we had to tech on halloween so ninja uh, brandon uh, brandon the lane designer's dog was wearing a little shark costume yeah <laughs> he was such a sleepy little shark laying, laying on the ground oh man um a lot of dogs at our show a lot of dog, dogs and babies um, <laughs> it's a show friendly to dogs and babies like how often is that yeah yeah pretty weird i mean i don't know if we want a bunch of babies to start showing up <laughs> So, babies you, are a very demanding audience. Are your babies going to see the show? <laughs> oh no. No, my kids aren't going to watch this one. <laughs> and if you go, you'll you'll see why maybe. <laughs> it's past their bedtime anyway. Yeah. It's a non-starter. You don't want to terrify your children. No. Yeah. Well, Not in this context. So, let them yeah, right. They'll be scared enough when they get old and learn about the world. I yeah. wrote a show at Bootleg uh, called Stranger. It was a spaghetti western. I wrote it with Keith Farley, who wrote mm-hmm. Batboy. One of the writers so Batboy. Great. Um, but we had a like, uh, Anne Farley, his oh. wife, got murdered horribly on stage <laughs> in it, and their daughters like would come <gasps> all every night, and one of them ref- refused to watch the show at all, uh, and the other one like loved watching it. <laughs> 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 she just didn't like to watch like the actual kill shot, but she was like, "This is great." <laughs> oh my god! Well, that says everything you need to know about that family. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're a really fun family. <laughs> um, what what has made so you do see so much immersive work? Mm-hmm. It, you've you've selected out the pieces that you, you kind of want to see a show you'd like to hang out at. What what's different about working in this form versus writing for television mm. versus doing sketch versus writing you know normal plays? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it, this script for this is relatively normal, right? right? Like there's not there aren't a lot of hinge points, but you're you're you guys are constructing the world as much as you're constructing the show. It's true. Um, I guess the difference is that. There's just like a level level of engagement that you get to have with an immersive play that I like. Um, I think like yeah. What do you look for when, when you're going to work? Like I, and yeah, yeah like, I, I don't. It's interesting. I like I like like sincere, like things to be sincere on some level. You know, they can be funny and stuff. But like when people are like selling out their stuff, that's annoying. Um, what do you mean selling out their stuff? Like, 
Like you don't have to give it I'm specific not, example, but like um, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I'm gonna say it. would no. it be too hard to well, but do, do, by selling out, do you mean like 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 it's a marketing thing or oh no, like I just a, mean more like like just not like like being like, like this is things. stupid, not not being not not being vulnerable, I guess um, mm. like or it's okay. Let me start over. Um, <laughs> I like. Uh, yeah, I like like kind of fun, adventurous uh, design and performance, and that's like one thing I like is seeing like uh, dance or puppets or like design elements up close. That's part of the reason I like going to see um, mm. immersive stuff, and yeah. I think that's what's one thing that's fun about our show is that we get to have all these designers like Brandon, like Travis Fenoy does our um, who does our projections, and then you get to see them in like a, a non traditional setting yeah. where you're kind of up you, you're kind of right under Brandon's lights like you're not just watching them from the audience yeah um or like Michelle our designer you know she she built some actual set elements but then she also just builds these rooms that like you get to play with um and feel like you're kind of part of the story and also just being really I love being really close to performers like that's one thing that is also great about immersive plays is being inches from like a really great actor um I've been thinking a lot about like I think my favorite show I saw all year was in another room Oh God, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that um, and that was doubt. one where I was like, that's not coming back. Like, everyone in LA should see that show. It was yeah. so, and that really, there's those that the, it's deeply frustrating because they, they built it in their apartment. Like, there's yeah, there's it's and, impossible to live in that. Yeah, the, they and they did for an extra month. Oh yeah, because I, they I saw one of the last it. shows, and I was yeah. like, I can't send someone to this. Yeah, but there's that really Tragedy. great '70s scene with the girl the hippie girl mm. and she was such a great actress and it was like I am like an inch away from this girl and this is such a great piece of theater yeah it was like um so anyway I, I really like that I also really like when there's a bar and it's like a place to talk about built that you don't have to just like start you know I like I like walking into an unmarked door and not being not being sure if I should go in there yeah but I also like when there's a place to hang out in there and you don't you don't just. I like. I like getting shoved into an alley at the end, but I also like. You can like, like <laughs> talk to your friends about what just happened. Also, um, so we do both of those. Yeah, like, I mean, do you have a lot of experience going, Michael, to this sort of work, or is this sort of your? Not really. Yeah. No. So what's it been like being on the other side, like working up that close to people? You've done this uh, number of times. As a performer, I feel like it is honestly. Um, it feels a little more. You have a little more power to to wield than mm. than you do in kind of a straightforward, you know. Any <clears throat> any shows that I've done um, in the past have been uh, as experimental as the theater might have been. The format is essentially, you know, the 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 format of people coming in and like sitting in their seats and watching a show silently and getting up at the end is exactly the same 100% of the time. Right. Um, and <clears throat> even more so, I think, in this uh, this production that we're doing now, um, we are really, it is a very kind of tactile thing and it fuels the scenes. It, it's not in any way, I didn't anticipate it being distracting necessarily, but I kind of didn't know what to expect. And when we did it in May, which was a nice kind of warm-up run for what we're talking about right now, for what we're for for remounting the show, it, it gives us a little more confidence in how we're able to manipulate the audience. And this isn't a show where we're asking the audience to 
participate in too active a way, but we are constantly moving people around and yeah. the shape of the audience is being divided and cut through, uh, through the entire show. And you get to kind of feed off of that audience's energy a little more, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, but it's a little more it, yeah. tangible or something. Yeah, it's like you're it's palpable. You're moving them. You're being like, "Fucking get out of my way." Yeah, yeah. and, and there, there, there's like well, and anxiety tell, in that. Yeah, that, I mean, you yes. can also tell like if they're if they're really in the moment and they're connected to you. Like when you need to start getting when you start to need to move, they will part like the Red Sea, mm-hmm. right? Like you'll sort of and you can really tell whether people are engaged or not based on like are they are they in that moment because if if you've got a bunch of people standing around and there's action happening, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, imaginary like a play or it's real, people will move, they'll shape it. It has the logic of a schoolyard fight, right? Mm-hmm. Sycamore has the logic of a schoolyard fight all the time. People are chasing after folks or they're partying to get out of the way of two combatants. Yeah. And, you know, you can tell if someone's either too zeroed in on one little element, sort of tripping on like, I'm totally into this actor, or they've just checked out because suddenly the action's going and they're just there like a rock. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like, oh. And then, and you know, and it, and it isn't even a conscious thing. You just know from the kinesthetic awareness of the the group. Yeah. There's there, a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. There's a moment every night where you where Mike moves this big piece of furniture through the crowd, and no one, everyone's very startled by it, and then and it's like oh, but you you know you're not going to hit them because you're. Just, yeah, because yeah, they just jump out of the way. And there's like an <laughs> you're right. There is kind of an intuitive quality to, and it's not even necessarily that you will find someone just kind of daydreaming, but it, sometimes you can see that the scene that they just saw, they're kind of still in that scene that we did and they're thinking about it and not, then you have to kind of wake them up to get out of the way for the next part. Which yeah. is like, it's very fun to do. Because <laughs> then they get excited because then there's a whole new thing coming. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's great. It's, it's, it's fun to feel that energy out. And um, I don't know. I really love it. I, I don't know. The... Uh, Having people kind of move around you while you perform is 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 very kind of oddly relaxing or something. Maybe oh. relaxing might not be the right word because it's not like ah this whatever. But there it takes some of the heat off a little bit, I guess. When when there's kind of a fourth wall, which there is still kind of a fourth wall happening. Yeah. Um, so that terminology you. might not be you know appropriate, but. It's just, I don't know, once you're kind of like intermingling with the people who are on the other side of what that fourth wall would be, it kind of just makes it makes it feel like it's on all of us yeah. now. <laughs> this is about all of us now. Yeah, this form this form tends to be pretty cinematic, I feel, uh-huh. right? You yeah. know, like you, you get a lot of choice as an audience member as to whether you're watching a close-up or a medium shot or a long shot. I like yeah. that. Yeah. You, you, and, and then it just kind of liberates the performer because you're no longer you're no longer oh I'm in medium or I'm in long because everyone's sitting over there it's like you because you don't know you don't know how any particular audience member is observing this like you're at all these different distances to them you can just just play the scene don't worry about where you're projecting the energy just Mm -hmm. really be there and the people will get what they want to get based on how much they're getting involved totally I feel that and I think Eric and uh, (laughs) Eric and our directors I think have leaned into that 
quality that kind of wherever you're standing, you, you I think you you do get something of a cinematic experience. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like that, I think that's well said. Yeah. yeah. And you can also just turn and watch the projections, which are awesome. Yeah. Like, like yeah. those there's are plenty to look at. Yeah. There's like if you are kind of stuck in a corner, just look at what Travis is doing on the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Are you uh, are you looking forward to playing in this form some more? Either of you, both of you? Yeah, I think Absolutely. so. I think after we're wrapped with Amos, we might even start talking about a new show or something. But I like us as a trio. Yeah, it, uh, uh, the, what we're what we're performing now feels like a a very fun upgrade from May, and it feels also like uh, uh, pr- I don't know. May was kind of like let's kick the tires on the show and see what comes out and now it's more like oh yeah it seems like we can make shows so yeah um, nice yeah yeah Who knows? we have uh, we have all the best designers and yeah yeah we're super excited it's fun it gives it gives everyone like a huge like it puts a magnifying glass on these people like the, the talents are like so I don't know the, the visual elements and the sound too but this kind of show it really everyone's face is right in it it's like yeah. everybody gets a showcase basically it's cool yeah it's, it's fun for those who want to catch the show uh, what's the details it is uh, for the next two weekends um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday mm-hmm. so that would uh, be November that's 9th through the 11th, 9th through the 11th and then again the 16th through the 18th yeah. Thursday Great. through Saturday the doors open at 8 and the show starts at 9 but like we said come a little early so you can have fun and uh, in the in our various spaces that we've built and also, um, yeah, and if you want to get tickets, um, the easiest way is just go to amostheplay.com. There's a link directly to the tickets that way. Uh, yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Eva, Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Noah. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Once again, I want to thank Eva and Michael for being our guests on the show today. And indeed, you can go to amostheplay.com is where to connect with the show. Um, and if it's uh, you're listening to this on Friday, before you go see the show, uh, you'll, uh, you'll see me there. You will. I'm going tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I like, I like that show so much that I'm going back. How often, how often does that happen? Oh, now <laughs> I asked that as like a, I asked it as a, 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 a hypothetical question. And then suddenly I was like, oh, wait, how often does that happen? I don't even know anymore. Um, there's rarely time. There's a couple of, there's a couple of pieces I'd, I'd, I'd go see again right now that are, that are coming down the pike. Um, Stars in the Night just uh, went back on sale uh, like while while I was recording this, actually. So uh, you should check that out uh, if you're in Los Angeles. And of course, you know, I've, I've been to Sleep No More more than once, been to Then She Fell. I'd go see Then She Fell again. I've been twice. Third time. Third time. Probably be the third time. Probably be the limit. I just want to get one more track in. There you go. That's that's how often I do. I do the return trip thing. Uh, this is my part of the show, right? Um, it's been a long one already, but... Um, there's there's at least uh, a couple of things that I probably uh, should mention. Um, one, we're very excited about Vince uh, being of uh, Male Wolf being part of the the IDS, right? So there's that going on. Um, but there's there's non IDS stuff I want to mention um, because um, you know Leia, the League of Experiential and Immersive Artists, is something that we're working on, um, which is the it's going to probably be a five hundred one c six. 
uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is a 501c6. So, I mean, that, you know, they exist at different scales, but they have a certain function, which is to advance a certain type of line of business. Um, business could mean, you know, an art form that you're advocating for. Uh, we had, um, we have this permit team um, that's part of it. Uh, a lot of great people on it. Uh, Cole Rosner, Justin Fix, Annie Saunders, Tommy Haunton, um, and um, and Jacob Michael Patterson of Think Tank is also part of that group. Uh, but uh, Jacob wasn't there on Tuesday uh, when we met with the city of Los Angeles. Um, we, we went in for a meeting. Um, we actually thought we were going to just meet like a couple of people. And it turns out we met like a, a task force from the Office of Economic Development so there was um, there were the five of us, uh, and there were about sixteen members of LA City uh, there: um, Department of Building and Safety, Fire Department, Police Department, Department of Cultural Affairs, who are our Sherpas on this one, the uh, Mayor's Office of Economic Development, to talk about um, the you know what we now refer to as the perceived moratorium on temporary special event permits. And a bunch of you just like start to fall asleep. But let me put it this way. Shows don't just happen. Someone doesn't just go like, oh, it'd be a great idea to do this thing. And then they just do it. You got to secure a venue, all this sort of infrastructural stuff. And for a few years, it was, it was relatively straightforward. You want to do a show, you went down, you pulled a permit, you were good to go. Last year, around this time, as many of us remember all too well, there was the absolutely tragic, horrific fire in Oakland at the ghost ship venue. Um, friends of friends lost their lives uh, in my own world. Um, that probably happened to some of you as well. And there were, of course, legal repercussions for that, not just for the people who were um, grossly negligent and thus responsible for the deaths of those people, um, something which makes me angry, um, but also for, um, let's go to the chase. As it turns out, for years, maybe decades now, the permits that everyone has been using in order to do productions like this, whether it was delusion or it's something that the speakeasy is doing in Los Angeles. And I'm just talking about LA, but this may be true in other cities as well. Those permits uh, we're just sort of being bent well past the letter of the law because who cared, right? No big deal. When Ghost Ship happened, the different agencies who issue these permits looked at the letter of the law again and said, you know, we don't need to be giving permits out based on the letter of the law. And they just snapped back to what the ordinance said. So all of the struggles and all the difficulties that people have been have in pulling permits has to stem from that. And there's shows that are flying under the radar. There are, there's productions that are, you know, they're, they're squeaking by. That's not a long-term sustainable situation. And one of the reasons why we want these things to be permitted also is that, you know, we care about things being done safely. We we want to know that people aren't being put unnecessarily at risk. We do not want a ghost ship happening. We we don't full stop. And it's one of the reasons why we take these things seriously. But that was something that we learned at this meeting 
was about the fact that it wasn't so much a, a decision on the part of the city to like stop these crazy kids as it was just a decision to, well, let's just enforce the letter of the law, which changes how we're going to deal with this. There is a long road ahead of us. There is a, there is a, you know, year, hopefully maybe years long fight to set things up in the city of Los Angeles in particular, uh, to, to be hospitable to the kind of work that we all know and love. And that's a large part of what Leia is going to be working on. Um, we're having some creators, uh, come by to, um, if you're, if you're on the brain trust list or you're on the Leia list, uh, you know, please check your email. We've got an event on Saturday where we're filling out some zoning packets, thrilling, thrilling stuff, everybody. Um, and we're working on a political solution. Uh, we will probably turn to the, uh, community at large, including the fan community to help us uh, bring some pressure, um, and this is a fight we expect to be happening not just in Los Angeles, but in other municipalities as well. And hopefully what what's the, the good news is, is we're going to create a model here that we can export to other cities that have these issues or whose ordinances aren't ready for you know the realities of 21st century art and entertainment making. That's the mission. That's the battle. That's the goal. Um, that's why we do what we do um, on a personal level. Uh, no pro is not Leia. Leia is not no pro. They are not one and the same. Um, so, you know, don't, don't, you know, necessarily conflate, but indeed I am, I am, I personally am you know, deeply involved in, in both of them. Um, and the IDS and some other stuff. <laughs> and I'm also sick right now. I don't know if you can tell. All right. Um, that sounded somber, but actually I came out of that meeting like pretty stoked. I mean, it definitely wasn't easy for everybody and on the short term, it kind of sucks, but I have hope uh, and faith. And and the biggest thing is like, you know, I expected, particularly once we sat down in front of all those people, I expected the city to just be like, oh, you crazy kids are going to stop it. We're going to stop your dance parties. And like, they're, they're not dance parties. We know you're dancing in there. You know, it's like, is this foot loose? It's like, no one's going to cut loose. I'm like, but we're not, no, I'm not, this is not six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, but instead they were friendly and, and they gave us good advice and they want to work with us. So that's the takeaway. They, they want us to do this stuff if they can figure out how. So um, we're going to get it done, guys. We're going to get it done. Um, I really No, but really, seriously, I believe that. All right. That's enough for now. It's been a good one. Um, thank you to our Patreon backers. Uh, oh, wait, no, hold, hold on, hold on. On Twitter, we're at no Persinium. On Instagram, we're no underscore proscenium. The Instagram is blowing up. Um, we've got the Slack channel. We've got the Slacks. It's always kind of quiet in there. We'll do some office hours soon enough. we got our YouTube, which we need to program some stuff into. We'll do that soon. Yes, $5 backers. Your your care packages are going to be assembled. I just got to find the freaking time to go down to the post office, um, which is seriously like... Trying to find time to go to the post office between all the meetings is is not easy, uh, but that that will happen. I swear, I swear, I swear. I'm getting them to you. Um, the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/NoPresidium. 
turns around. It's like, oh, I, I'm going to give you the thing that I told you. I'm going to give you. By the way, give me money. Um, yeah, this is the way it works. What else is there? Um, everything Immersive. EverythingImmersive.com. That's a Facebook group. You, you probably know it. Heard of, heard of a thing called Facebook. Uh, and uh, NoPersonium.com, where we do all the things that we do. And we do them for you. I'm not going to start singing the song for Three Musketeers. I'm not. I'm not. It's in my head right now. You know it is. All right. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are as follows. They are Ross Sigworth. They are Lonnie Hanson. And they are Bradley Smith. Thank you, gentlemen, for keeping this crazy ship afloat. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. My name is Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show.